Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Random Redshirt Podcast. I am one of the hosts, Zach, and the other host is Chris. What's going on, Chris? Hey, Zach. Hey, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for watching us across the world and the interwebs. Great to see you, Zach, and be here again. It's an awesome way to, to complete our week, isn't it? This is just so enjoyable for us. Yeah, we get to talk about Star Trek Strange oh. New Worlds. It's it's uh, it's a great series. Um, season one really set the bar high, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it absolutely did. I I mean, well, we were just talking earlier. We were talking about the one of the great, great episodes from season one, Quality of Mercy, and how cool it was and how, how, how great and awesome homage it did to the original series, but making everything fresh and new again. And the awesomeness of you know captain pike because we didn't have him really flushed out so yeah great that's true that. yeah that that <clears throat> that kind of homage to balance of terror was really wow. special um the episodes with the gorn all this stuff right and so then we get to move into season two now and we've gotten two very interesting episodes to start out the season and um we get a third episode that's very interesting uh that's gonna be fun to talk about and that's what we're here to talk about so uh, if this is your first time to the to the podcast, uh, we welcome you if you're watching or listening to us, um, either on your favorite podcast platform or watching us on YouTube. We appreciate it. Uh, be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram to follow us there for all the latest announcements, Star Trek memes, <laughs> sci-fi memes, funny things, uh, you know, things we share, whatever. We're also on there. Uh, be sure to hit the subscribe button and the bell for notification if you are on YouTube to get the latest and greatest there. And um, look out for future content because it's all coming down. We got so much more coming. And uh, if you're watching this, tomorrow will be our premiere of our exclusive interview with Nana Visitor. So we cannot wait to share that with you. Oh, it was such a pleasure pleasure to sit down with her and uh, spend time with her and talk. And we had a blast, Chris. We absolutely did. And I just say it's just such... It was a real privilege too. You know, we feel so honored to be able to do that and get to learn, learn about um, our our role models in Star Trek and and the people that we love in Star Trek um, that are creating this great universe for for all of us and, and such great like memories. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. She had and she has a, a just an unbelievable career across Broadway, television, film, and I got to I got to geek out of DS Nine. So I mean, you know, that's all, all even better. Uh, but what we're here for is episode number three of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Uh, I better start talking about this now before I go off on some weird tangent. <laughs> it's all good, man. About D Space Nine again. So the episode is tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. A very interesting title for an episode. They, episode three, and they had to have three tomorrow words. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. A very, very interesting. Uh, but so this is a time travel episode. This, yeah, yeah. It, which totally made me think because last week was a trial episode, this week was a time travel episode, and and so here we were thinking, well, okay, in Star Trek we have to have trial episodes because that's like yep. a thing, yep. and then we have to have time travel episodes because that's also a thing, and then we have to have mirror universe episodes at some point because that's a thing. So yeah. we're we're like having our our. We're having our little deep dive, like uh, highlight specials that are coming out, like uh, here and here that we're seeing in Strange New World. So we could do yeah, a it, collect, collection of episodes. Yeah, it's checking all the Star Trek boxes, right? <laughs> it really is. Um, it's interesting because not only is this a time travel episode, this is a little bit of an alternate 
universe episode too. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but this was very interesting. Um, we are going in this fresh. Okay. So Chris mm-hmm. and I have not had really any discussion at all about this since we both watched it and, uh, your, our reactions to each other are going to be nothing but authentic. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, let's let's jump into this, Chris. Uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, episode three, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Now, if you've been listening or watching the podcast long enough, you know my love for Leon. And this is the perfect episode. And now, Chris, yes. this is the third episode of the season. And for three straight episodes, we've barely seen Pike. Yeah, I I'm felt thinking the to same. myself, yeah. like, what, what did Anson Mount think when he got the scripts? He's like, oh, I guess I'm not in this first episode. Oh, I'm not really in the second episode much. Oh, the third episode, I only show up really at the end. Like, it's crazy. It makes me wonder. And I don't know if you have the same thoughts, Chris. This makes me wonder, like, okay, because we've had so many episodes so far, the first three episodes of of the season so far, that have been centric to other characters, not the captain. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that we're going to get really heavy Pike episodes later on in the season? I would have to assume so. I agree. I'd have to assume so. Because if... Pike ends up where he uh, ends up in his tragedy and has to save save people, right? That 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 is the potential destiny that that at least the previous the Pike we know has in the Star Trek kind of timeline. If that's his destiny to of self sacrifice and and saving people, um, I think just like you, we will have some very very Pike heavy heavy and centric and important episodes moving yeah. forward. Yeah. Now my assumption going forward from this moment on is that that event that happens to Pike, right? Mm-hmm. That disfigures him and puts him into the into the uh the 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 wheelchair for lack of better terms or motion chair, whatever you want to call it, futuristic version of it. Um that that's not going to happen, I wouldn't think, until towards the end of the of the series when they're done making episodes, right? I, I mean, I can't imagine un- unless they're going to put it somewhere and then something changes and then the timeline splits off and now you Pike never went through that. But to me, that would be, I think, a wrong step. I hey, think event. Yeah. I think eventually Pike has to become what he we know him in Toss, so that Kirk can take con- command of the Enterprise. Yeah, I agree with that, and I I think, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens, but. For me right now, I feel like because Pike's um, his his dedication and sacrifice was such a a core thing in in Star Trek to setting setting a series of events going forward. You know, it, it had such meaning that 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 sacrifice that I feel like if if it goes a different direction, you know, then that affects kind of the meaning of his sacrifice that we feel. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I hope they don't. I hope they keep mm-hmm. that. I mean, you know, the 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 modern Star Trek compared to the legacy Trek or the you know the other the original five series is series is is uh, <laughs> that it is kind of its own thing, right? Like the timeline is that yeah. there's things that's different. We're gonna see a lot of that, I think, in this episode. But um, yeah, things are different, and so I am hoping that while I'm okay with some things being different, I do hope that they stick with some of these real significant moments and events mm-hmm. that we know throughout many of the star trek series yeah i agree i i think then i think it yeah. changes it too much and then we're like okay well now this is not this isn't what i know yeah because in that case you might as well have a fresh character right just completely yeah. fresh character and not have to tie it back or have that character be uh, perhaps 
restrained or constrained by all of the past iter iterations of, of the character. Just start fresh um, and then be unchained from that. So yeah, that's true. It'd be interesting. I mean, I do, I do appreciate, you know, fresh, fresh approaches and original approaches and things uh, that are new. Those are always, that, those are always very interesting. Um, very nice to see where I start getting maybe in the realm of not liking so much is, is where things, where characters become caricatures of, of something previous. And so I'm, I'm feeling like, no, I'll just make it, you know, make it new, make it fresh. You know, don't, don't try and copy. Yeah, you mentioned yeah. that. I think you mentioned that we talked earlier this morning. Yeah. 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 So, okay, let's dive into this. So we start out with episode three with a personal log from my favorite character, Leon. <laughs> yeah. And we see Leon moving about the ship, right, performing some of her duties. She's kind of playing referee to, I think that's uh, um, Transporter Chief Kyle. Yes. And another alien character. Both re both random red shirts, right? Yes, indeed. Uh, on on the ship, well, maybe maybe the the transporter chief Kyle is not a, so much a random red shirt. I mean, he was a, a character in Toss, right? So, uh, <laughs> but we see her kind of you know trying to break up the dispute. Uh, and then we see her shift over, and we see her show up at Spock's quarters, and Spock apparently has had a noise complaint. That was <laughs> funny. Him. That was, oh, it was great. epic. I like it was in the, the the kind of the whimsical music in the background during this scene, and uh, she says, "Yeah, there's been a noise complaint." He's 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 you know in his Vulcan way, like kind of shocked, like "Oh me!" Like he says, "Well, I, I shall make every attempt to practice less vigorously going forward." Yeah, as he's holding that Vulcan harp that he just got from Doctor Mbenga, and I believe it was the first episode of the season. Yeah, that expression on his face was hilarious. Yeah, so it so it was. <laughs> Yeah, it was very much a a Vulcan expression that you could see this this kind of puzzled look in <laughs> a Vulcan way. It's neat to see Leon kind of she's doing these. Uh, we don't see these often; these mundane duties that that the security head of the ship has to do, and yeah. like adjudicate all of these, you know, different complaints, and that must be like um, <laughs> tearing her apart, like a little tedious, like, oh, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Then we we flash from from Spock, and now she's with Commander Pelia out in what seems like a hallway or an end of a hallway, with a bunch of just old stuff laying around, right? These old relics, and uh, I love how she says, you know, something to the effect of like it's property of the arc. Or, or I think Leon looks at a tag and says property of the archaeology department, which <laughs> we we'll find out about later, right? And uh, she's like, I used to work there, didn't I? He's like, I still have a bunker in Vermont in case this whole socialist, no money utopia thing turns out to be a fad, which I died laughing. I think, you know, we've talked about, for me anyways, needing more of Commander Pellia to determine whether I like her. I, I liked her in this episode. I really did. I thought that between where we see her in the past and where we see her now, it was very funny. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it was just probably the right amount of her because her, right? I think if she's funny, but if you have too much of it, it might kind of maybe tip the scale in a way uh, that takes the episode in a different direction. So I really liked the Utopia line, and that was kind of yeah. uh, right breaking the fourth wall of the episode. Maybe speak, <laughs> you know, speaking to us was like, yeah, you know, how long is your Utopia and no money society gonna last like that? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Uh, that was good. And I think you made a good point because I think there is a balance act to 
the style of this character, mm-hmm. um, which Carol Kane is really good at doing this style of chemistry. She's done a lot of she's 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 a master comedian in 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 her roles that she's been in in the past. So I think there is a balance, like you said, because if you do too much, then I think it makes it makes her not believable or the character, I should say, not believable as being a, a chief engineer, right? Yeah. Or someone who's overseen, you know, the the heartbeat of the ship. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. And then and then we see Leon sparring with Dr. Mbenga, right? It seems that she's clearing out some kind of frustration. My take on this is uh carrying over from season one into season two, where her lineage, right? Her her heritage her genetics, all this stuff of being a Noonian Singh or Noonian Soong. Is this? Yeah. Soong? Soong. Yeah, Noonian Soong. Khan Noonian Singh. I've heard it pronounced both ways. But anyways, her lineage, I think, has carried a heavy weight on her for a long time. And I believe this has been mentioned before about, you know, the the kind of the the mental effect it's had that she she knows, right? She knows that she is a descendant of Khan, this genocidal, you know, maniac who just wreaked havoc on earth in the 1990s um and that's weight on her so uh then chris we get a flash ahead slightly uh from this her working out and, and sparring with dr mbenga to walking the halls of the enterprise mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's right and then there's a strange noise and she realizes i i got a little confu- confused right there but then she sees the injured man and the injury is not it's not a phaser blast it's right she's shot it's just like oh you've you've been shot and then then it goes into hey there's been an attack in the past this injured man's like you've got to stop it he gives her a device i believe at the time and says hey hey get get to the bridge and she takes yep. the, she takes the device you know you you're right that leon because you can see it um in her face like how consumed she is how bothered she is by her identity essentially yeah. like it and who she is so she's she's carrying that kind of carrying a lot of uh maybe maybe anger like associated with it and did, doesn't doesn't she i'm trying to think back to season one and may, i probably should have gone back and watched the whole season before season two started to refresh but i guess i could do that at some point before we get too farther in but i think there's at some point that she has a discussion with una because una's like a mentor to her right yes and doesn't she at some point reveal that she was um, called names when she was younger, like yes. monster and all this other kind of stuff? Because yes. people knew, you know, the, the her last name is distinct, right? It's not like she's, you know, Smith or Jones, where you can just blend in in that regard. Noonien Soong is a significantly, you know, that name stands out in history with a unfortunately a really well-known jettisonal maniac yes yes she does tell una that and so she was i'm sure bullied and harassed like yeah growing up um it, which is interesting it brings several questions to my mind because if if that is her lineage this is what I, I think both you and i have not figured it out yet but if her lineage is from Khan, you know does she carry those essentially physiological traits of uh, augmentation that Khan did we don't know i don't know i'm not sure yet on that well there is a re- we'll get into this a little bit later but mm-hmm. there is a reference later in the episode where she mentioned something about genetic markers i see um so 
I think that's kind of hinting at it, but you're right. We haven't, that hasn't been flushed out very much yet. As far as we, as far as I can remember. Yes. yes. So that so I would assume hopefully we're going to, we're going to have more answers to that in the future. Maybe. Yeah. What's also interesting to me is she kept the last name. So I, I'm assuming that, you know, people could probably legally in the Star Trek universe could probably legally change the last name if um there were circumstances are you know exceptional circumstances if she didn't have that choice you know and she had to keep her last name then so be it but but um i presume that perhaps she could have changed the last name if that opportunity arose but she kept yeah. she kept it so i think that's actually if you think about it from that perspective like interesting yeah i'm not sure how how common it would have been back then to change your name but i can't see yeah. why you wouldn't be able to yeah so maybe that was just not maybe she didn't think to do it i don't know that's a good point though yeah but somehow she was able to get her application accepted in starfleet <laughs> yeah right <laughs> so it was good enough for starfleet yeah so she she's she gets that device from that injured shot man she says get to the bridge and she does get to the bridge and that's where we see things are all of a sudden completely different because it's now not Pike on the bridge. It's Captain James T. Kirk on the bridge in command. And things are different. His insignia is different. And Leon realizes that something is very, very, very off. And we start to hear Kirk talk. And then we hear it's not the Federation. It's the United Earth Fleet ship. So something wow. is very, very off. And on the view screen, we see Spock. And Spock's been in a battle with the Romulans. Spock is part of the, uh, he's captain of a Vulcan ship. Uh, and he's asking, which is interesting, he's asking Kirk for help. Yeah. And, you know, Kirk essentially says, hey, I'm really, very, I'm really, really, really sorry, but we're not able to help you out right now. Yeah, it's so, like we have yeah. our own problems with the yeah. Romulans and we don't want to, you know, make things worse or something like that. I think he says, yeah, I like to where so Leon comes on and then everyone on the bridge kind of turns and likes looks at her like, who's the, who's this person? Yeah, <laughs> they're all looking at her and Kirk's looking at her, too. And she says, hey, I think uh, this is we should talk in private, which is probably a good move. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, that's de definitely uh, a good move because she then goes to um into like i think it's kirk's quarters and you see i'm assuming it's like sorry and brandy there on the table because that's what oh be yeah a nice toss reference right like yeah. kirk likes some sorry and brandy so she goes to the, um goes into his quarters and tries to convince him that she's not from the timeline which is which is interesting because kirk does mention there's no record of her anywhere so there's something definitely off there and she tries to convince him to use this device to help get her back to her time. And he's irritated, right? Because she's clearly referenced already and then references again Starfleet. And he's like, I've never heard of this Starfleet thing you're talking about. He's like, I'm captain of a United Earth. Uh, or I'm, I'm a captain in the United Earth fleet. So in the Mirror episodes, we do know that um, humanity becomes a bit xenophobic. 
Mm -hmm. right? That the humans are like, nope, we don't need anybody's help. We're not aligning with anybody. Like we're going to go out and do things. Um, I believe it's in Enterprise Mirror Mirror, in a mirror darkly, right? Where where humans are actually like torturing aliens and stuff because yeah. they're they're uh, I mean they're vi the humans are vicious. You know, you have you have you have Trip with his uh with his uh you know nasty <laughs> you know scar over his eye and everything and um you know things are vastly different there. Uh and so that was interesting. And um so you you see some similarities between what's being referenced now and what what appears to be an alternate timeline. Well, not appears to it is, uh, and what we have seen in other mirror episodes, right? In yeah. Star Trek, so he grabs her wrist, and, and like he's going to try to grab her and and keep her from you know getting away. And then as soon as they lock wrists, she's able to push the button on the device, and whoosh, they disappear, and they end up somewhere else. And we learn very quickly. But somewhere else is Earth. Earth. Back in 2024, because of course we can't travel to a different time period. It's got to be within a year of the current time. I guess it just makes it easier <laughs> maybe to film. I, I I don't really know, but. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, we and, learned. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say we learned that they go back to 2024 and they're they're apparently in Toronto in what used to be known as Canada on Earth. Yeah. And Kirk thought it was New York. At, yeah. at first right he's like yeah oh and he and he starts off right he's he's he says oh i think this must be like new york <laughs> and you can kind of kind of see in the back of leon's mind she's she's thinking oh, this guy he doesn't know exactly <laughs> right? and we don't know why he doesn't know like kirk like you don't know what new york looks like versus somewhere else i mean but when will we learn why that is in, in a few moments but um, you know, Leon, they're, they're in this like alleyway and Leon mentions to him, uh, you know, th there's going to be an attack that's going to change the course of the timeline. They have to stop it. Now, I'm assuming that this attack is what causes what is, is the starting point to what eventually makes the timeline go skew and eventually yeah. creates the alternate timeline where we have Captain Kirk as part of the United Earth fleet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to go back a, lo a little bit to something that kind of stood out to me uh it was just a really quick moment but you said when it was interesting when captain kirk grabbed leon's wrist right leon's saying hey i got this device and then kirk it was just a real quick grab and and it went grab and i thought when i watched that i thought well that was awkward or it felt really really, really awkward and suddenly yeah. i was like oh he i was like did he just really do that and it was just, <laughs> we, um, I mean, I really well, like it's a different. It's a different Kirk, right? So, it's a different Kirk, yeah. Although in Toss, he had no problem grabbing onto the green women and pulling them in for a kiss, too. That's so, right. Yeah. You know, because it was such a uh, bold move. Like I couldn't see Pike like doing the same thing or or Spock doing the same thing. But Kirk's like there, and he's like grab the quick grab right right there, and then kind of set things into motion after that. So it went back yeah. in time. Yeah, I think that regardless of the timeline. Kirk still has a lot of similar qualities and tendencies. So it's, you know, you're, you, you still recognize Kirk, even though he's from a different timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Now I did find this interesting, Chris, when, when they walk out, they, they kind of walk out into the city a little bit out of the alleyway. And there's a sign in the upper left-hand corner and we see it read, it has a picture of this bridge, right? And we see it re read Br budget overruns on Lake Ontario bridge, 
which mm-hmm. you don't know what that really means at first. It's just some background stuff. But that becomes an important note for a little bit later in the episode. Yeah, it does. I liked the I liked Toronto as the background and and the scenery. I don't know if they've ever had I'm just thinking through Star Trek Toronto as the background as the background in any of the cities. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, they use LA a lot cuz he used to film there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm assuming are they filming in Toronto? Uh that's a good question. I don't know. Um, maybe they are, I guess. I I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I I do yeah. know. I think they are because I I'd heard Anson make Anson Mount Captain Pike make references to filming in in Canada. Yeah. So it's possible they did. And I think that a, there's been a lot. I think, I think Star Trek Discovery primarily films in Canada, mm-hmm. in Vancouver. Uh, so I don't know if it's just let, you know cheaper to film up there or whatever. But um, I do believe there's been a lot of filming in Canada lately when it comes to some of these Star Trek series. Oh, which remind, maybe, you're, maybe you're right. I remember a conversation we had with, with Jenny where I believe... It was with Jenny Johnson where she yeah. she mentioned some filming in Canada. Yeah. In the Star Trek series. So, so it's very yeah. possible that they did actually film in Toronto or they filmed somewhere and said it was Toronto, but maybe it was in Canada mm-hmm. somewhere. So, yeah. Because they do use Canadian money, or I'm assuming it's Canadian money in this <laughs> in this episode. They do, and we get to see the Canadian mo- mo- money prominently when they're doing the chess tournament. And yeah. Rick is doing a chess tournament and cleaning that up. Exactly. So yeah. yeah, so Chris, they 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 come out of the the alleyway into this open space. And I love the line where Leon's like, This is Toronto, you know, maple leaves, politeness, poutine. <laughs> yeah. Nice little reference there to, to you know some Canadian food, you know, basically French fries with gravy and some yeah. other topics on it. Um and then but but what's interesting I found is that in this alternate timeline. This is different, though, than than the, the toss mirror mirror, right? Because, mm-hmm. well, at least as far as we know, because I don't think it's mentioned in the in the episode. But and if, by the way, if you haven't watched our deep dive or our spotlight episode on Star Trek, the original series mirror mirror, be sure to go back and listen to that or watch that. You can find it on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to check that out. We did a, a, a fun, awesome, real deep dive ep- uh, into that episode. But in this one. He mentions like he's never even been to Earth. He was born in space on the USS Iowa. Shocker, right? Because right. he's supposed to be from Iowa, so there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a play there. Uh, and he says that his Earth isn't anything like this. He mentions that it was a battleground, I think, for a while, and then occupied territory, and then a war. So it's very clear that whatever events, whatever attack happens here, must be tied somehow to you know his earth going awry and things happening differently and all that stuff so it's very it's very evident that that the timeline for him is vastly different than leon's timeline her her earth is different i mean there's so many things different and then that's where we see leon and kirk realize hey we gotta we got we gotta get out of these these uniforms and blend in and they head to this this uh you know like retail clothing store yeah which was pretty funny that they went into the clothing store clothing store had to get into this change of clothes these cool clothes pretty cool and contemporary and they come out looking the same right they've chosen like the same same clothes and they look like twinsies so that yeah was, that was pretty funny that was that was yeah and then they realized this is what i, I kind of i did not understand this too after they've gotten all these clothes and they've 
decided what they want to wear. Then they realize, oh, I think we have to pay. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're born into a society where there's no really no money, right? Then I guess maybe that would be kind of a foreign thing, right? Yeah, it would be. And you don't just go to the replicator and replicate yourself some new clothes. You got to go in and you have to pay with money that you've gotten from working. And, you know, it's a very foreign concept, I would get, I guess. It is. So Pelia's comment at the beginning of the episode where she's saying, oh, the, as soon as you guys, how long is this utopia with no money going to last is kind of foreshadow <laughs> foreshadowing, right? Because then they're, they're back and like, oh, they don't have any money and they don't have any money to pay for these clothes. So um, Leon kind of does some mischievous things right there and figures yeah, out I think, how to get she, past. She drops a wallet into some lady's purse and it buzzes off the security, security alarm and then they kind of sneak their way out. She totally does. So the poor yeah. lady, the poor lady that had the, <laughs> Um, you know, that item put into her purse is now going to be in trouble with the law. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they had to save the future of humanity here, Chris. What is one little bit of, you know, shoplifting thing going on here that, you know, in retrospect to saving humanity? Yes, that that is the... Or at least the timeline. Yeah. Right. That is the correct, I guess that is the good ethical perspective. The good of the many outweighs the good of the few or the one. Uh, that's that's what we're told. <laughs> that's what we're, unless you're the one. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. The one that got framed for shoplifting. So, right. Yeah. So that, that was good. And then, so after that, right, then they realize, oh, I think we're going to need some money. So they find some outdoor chess uh, places to play chess and, Kirk likes it. That's Kirk's thing. And so we get to see this montage of Kirk defeating a whole bunch of people at chess for money. And he impresses Leon, I think. And he says, hey, you didn't think I was the type of person to think five steps ahead, which I thought was a cute line. Yeah. Um, and he does reference. He does reference like, hey, this two dimensional chess is for idiots. And really, <laughs> that really, line was they, hilarious. <laughs> they really need like three dimensional chess. So, yeah, I liked that cute montage you get to see get a little bit of his personality and see the brilliance of kirk so that's right. nice that's nice yeah that's nice um what did you think about the scene because i think after that it was kind of abrupt i felt abrupt and i wanted to get your thoughts but it's so i guess they got enough money where they could get a hotel a hotel room yeah so and hot dogs too and hot oh that's right and hot dogs yeah. um and so that's where that's right. They get to know each other a little bit through the hot dogs and and Kirk's yeah. kind of, I like I like that. And Kirk says, Hey, you gotta enjoy the hot dogs. Yeah, and then and then you know, I I, I thought uh kind of a, a touching moment where he's he's just staring off at the sunset. And she's like, Me, you never seen a sunset before or whatever? And he's like, Well, not really, more like uh clouds of ash and or under in underground tunnels where you can't see the sun like he 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 paints a very grim picture of the future of where he you know what he's I mean he was born in space he's lived in space never even been to earth you know uh humanity kind of got away from earth and ran off to you know mars and the moon and different places like that and so uh it's a very grim reality this this idea of kind of a war torn future and he's a warrior, right? He's 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 someone who's got to you know lead the charge and being being leading troops into battle and so forth. Very 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 different dystopian future versus the utopian future that that Leon comes from. 
Thank you for reminding me of that. Um, what I liked about Kirk was this is kind of central to his his character, but but despite all that, in this version of Kirk that we see, he was not a bitter person at all. It seemed right. He it didn't seem he didn't come across as as bitter to me. <clears throat> he was trying to savor the moments. You know, he went back in time. He was savoring the moments and was appreciating Earth into being being able to be on it. And so I liked that about him. And then him having that perspective, being able to point out to Leon to say, hey, enjoy this, you know, while you can, uh, because essentially, you know, he didn't have this kind of privilege to enjoy. So, yeah, thank you for reminding me about that. So I thought that was a good quality that I, yeah. that I observed. Yeah. 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 Um, he does make an impact on Leon because <clears throat> when, when, Later that night, when they're at the hotel, we see Leon kind of wake up, and I, I don't know if remember it was in the morning or the middle of the night, but uh, but she's observing him while he sleeps, and so clearly, like she's got things on her mind and um, starting to develop feelings, and I'm sure she's probably had he has probably had a good effect on her. So yeah, that was an awkward started. moment. That was an awkward moment. Like she gets out of bed and just like kind of creepily watches him while he sleeps. <laughs> I don't know. I I mean, to me, I, I kind of feel like that scene should have been cut. I just I, I don't know. I don't know what it adds other than her. I guess it looked like she wanted to approach him and talk to him and wake him up and talk to him. But she didn't. I don't know. It just it felt kind of out. Of, it felt very out of place, actually, to me. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was interesting. And Leon's a character like she obviously has difficulty relating to people just because of her her background yeah so we'll see what becomes of it we'll we'll see more I, I will say that i would feel better if if there were differences later on in the episode if if later on in the episode things had been different then i would feel better about that hotel scene but the way the episode played out we'll talk about it in a little bit i'm just i feel like uh, it was I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to. Feel. I don't know how to feel about it. You're not the like, only one, Chris. Right? Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll we'll definitely um, talk about that, and it'll be good. Um, so, but in in that the next morning, they're talking about the different timelines, changing the timelines, temporal mechanics, uh, who which timeline needs to be restored, essentially, and kind of yeah. having this this uh discussion you know because essentially kirk kirk is saying to her hey hey he's essentially going to be wiped from existence if you know if we go forward with her plan and, and helping her and like his best course of action is really to do nothing um because he doesn't necessarily want to be wiped wiped from existence you know her her perspective was like you know earth we still have earth it's so great we've got this this, this federation and we're united and it's this utopia and we've got um, people as people in different species as part of the Federation. And then his is, I think, almost equally compelling because he says, hey, you know, we have, humanity has endured with its struggles and now we've populated the solar system and we're on Europa and we've on these, we're on Mars and we're on these other planets. And so it's not like his version of humanity and his timeline hasn't accomplished something great either, right? So he's got, a very compelling and valid point. 
Yeah, he 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 does. He does. But it's a it's definitely an ethical dilemma because he for all he knows, he doesn't exist in her timeline. Right. And then she has to say, well, no, actually, you do exist. And I did like her point where she says, you know, he's talking about kind of like being a warrior and all this kind of stuff. Right. And he, she's like, but wouldn't don't you want to be an ex wouldn't you rather be an explorer? Yeah. You know, referencing the idea that they're at peace, at least, you know, the Federation as a whole, right? They're 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 supposed to be a peacekeeping organization, although we know better. <laughs> they're not always that way, right? Uh they they kind of uh project an image of, hey, come join the Federation. It everything's great and there's no issues. And it's not exactly that that uh case. Hmm. But um yeah, you made some good points there, Chris, that this this idea of it's a temporal thing, but it's an ethical debate. Because if you think about it, right, from the outsider's perspective, why does Leon's timeline, why should Leon's timeline ha get more emphasis or why why should her timeline e exist over his, right? Who who says, like he says, says who, according to who? According to who that your timeline is the right one? Maybe your timeline's the wrong one and mine's the right one. And just, it screws with your head. Let me tell you that right now. But Yeah, yeah. I'm going to bring some star, I'm going to bring some Star Wars into this. Go for it. A little bit, a little bit. Where, um, you know, like in, in Empire Strikes Back. We're crossing the streams, Doug. We We're are. crossing the streams. I know. <laughs> but this is because we love Yoda. So Yoda is so wise and has so much knowledge to to give all of us. But when... Wait, 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 wait. You're talking about Yoda. Are we going to get a Yoda impression? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready for that. Okay, maybe maybe another time. Maybe another yeah. time. Chris does a really good Yoda impression. So oh. if you want if you want to hear it, leave us a comment down in the oh. comments below, or send us a message oh. and tell us you want to hear it for another episode. <laughs> right, Chris? Hey, we're gonna be doing an episode by episode review of Ahsoka, so maybe we'll get some some uh, Yoda impressions during Ahsoka. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So on, as, as soon as you mentioned Yoda, you knew oh, you, I had to say that, right? Yeah, Come on. yeah absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, Luke Luke wants to go like help his friends and and leave training, and Yoda says no. If you leave, you're going to that that kind of erases all of the suffering that they've they've gone through, right? Then what what will that have meant? Um, so Kirk's Kirk's point in this version of Kirk, he's like, hey our earth is in such bad shape but we've endured all that we've endured our own suffering and and we've made these accomplishments you know so that which is a beautiful thing when you look at it you know to for for humanity or individuals to go through that much suffering and come out on the other end um you know successful or better um, so ethical demo eth ethical dilemma there right do you discount like all of that and say no despite the suffering in your timeline and what you had to endure to get past it, this other timeline, you know, we need to have and not mm, <laughs> oh, my God. She is, yes. My own impression is not very good. Oh, no. Wise Chris is yes. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Anyways, back to the lecture at hand here. Uh, but yeah, the... <laughs> I surprised you when I did that Yoda impression. I know that came the out of nowhere when I did it. The first time you did it, I was taken aback. I thought you were playing a recording of something. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, what? What What was that? <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, so they're in this hotel room. They're going through this ethical and, and temporal dilemma. And then all of a sudden, 
the bridge outside the window explodes, which references back to that, that image we saw, right. When they first come into kind of, you know, some of the city limits Yeah, and we see up on that, I don't think a bill, it's not a billboard. It's, it looks like a, a video, a massive video screen. And it says that the bridge is over budget and everything else. And that bridge is the one that explodes. And then you hear Leon go, he's something, something effective, like, oh, he said, get to the bridge. So now she's connecting the dots. Bridge wasn't the bridge of the ship. The bridge was this bridge in the past. Yeah. Right. And that, and when we get to from there, we then cut to uh, uh, Kirk and Leon are showing up at the scene, right? Outside of, not exactly at the bridge, but, at, you know, outside of it, because the bridge is going across water. Um, wait, is that redundant? Bridges? No, bridges go over land too. I guess yeah. it's not redundant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, they they come up, up up to the scene and they're kind of looking at what's going on and kind of taking an eye of things, and they meet a woman taking pictures and she's important later. And they discover, or at least Leon discovers, that the burn marks on the bridge are consistent with a photonic bomb. Yeah, and that technology is not supposed to exist for another hundred years or so. She says. So they begin trying to look. They they, they know that they're okay. We got to look for this time traveling assassin. Is kind of what they think they call her. <laughs> call it. And they end up stealing a Dodge Challenger. I don't know if it's a Hellcat or not, but this cherry red Dodge Challenger, which beautiful. I'm like, beautiful car, a little bit out of place. But uh, did you notice, though, Chris, the, the the references as Kirk's getting into the car, he references a Denobulan prison. So we get a, an Enterprise reference. Oh, oh, the di- yes. The difference is the Denobulans aren't, you know, partnering with the Federation, right? The Denobulans are an alien species that the, you know, they're not yeah. in alliance with, with the humans. So he references the Denobulan prison and Plomic soup. Another yeah. reference. Yeah. And he says something like, I, I know how to make Plomic soup in a toilet or I can make it. Yeah. In a toilet. Did he say yeah, in a toilet. Like yeah. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. He's yeah. like, yeah, I learned how to make Plomic soup in a toilet or something like that. Uh, it was good. So it's, it's cool to see some enterprise, an enterprise reference. Um, I think that was great. Um, and we learned very quickly, obviously, Kirk doesn't know how to drive a car. I mean, why Why would he, really? Yeah. I mean, and so, especially because he's born in space, they, they're not driving cars around in space, right? I enjoy those um, moments where they're trying to figure out how to drive. Those are cute. Yeah. But here's the thing, though, okay? So he goes from not having a clue on how to even start the car to all of a sudden now he can do these these quick turns and all this, like, car chase scenes. I'm like, I know he's a fast learner. It's Kirk. <laughs> But that was a bit of a stretch for me. Yeah. Like all of a sudden now you're just and, and, and in, you know, snowy, probably cold, icy, con- semi-icy conditions. He's just weaving and bobbing through traffic. And eh, that was a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. It was. So the suspension of disbelief is high there. Yeah, high. I, I think so. I know it's Kirk, but OK, let's not be too <laughs> ridiculous here. So then that's when they then they they take the car and they start chasing after the van that they saw that piece of the burnt bridge put into. Yeah. And then, then they are eventually right. They, they, they chase the van. They're stopped by the police, which I thought was, was pretty funny in itself too, to see them stop pulled over and stopped by the police and got questioned. And so that, that was pretty interesting. And um, then the woman, I think it's the, is it the same woman? I think it's the same woman, right? Same woman. Yep. Yeah. She starts calling out the police and saying, Hey, are you really doing that to that civil rights lawyer or that prominent civil rights lawyer and calling them out? So 
the police kind of gave up kind of easily i thought after you know yeah it was like just a few seconds of calling and calling them out and then all of a sudden they just stopped yeah, one one woman with a cell phone camera, and she's just she's just saying stuff, and all of a sudden, like, oh, okay, so you're free to go. That to me, I think, was one of my least favorite parts of the episode. I just felt like they're making the police look like idiots and cowards. Yeah, because they're not gonna do that. I, I, I mean, it's not like he was just speeding for a little bit, and then they pulled him over. This dude is weaving through traffic. He's he's like reckless driving. I mean, you know. This is 2024. It's the future, right? One year in the future for us. In this day and age, come on, they're going to arrest him for for that type of driving. They're not gonna they're not gonna be afraid of some one person with a camera phone. Yeah, that's absolutely. that that to me was really ridiculous. And like you said, the level of unbelievability and that was was super high. Yeah. I just I I did not like how they painted the picture of the police in that one. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. They're not going to do that. So there, there yeah. could have been other ways. You know, yeah. Could have been other ways they could have uh, set up where they meet the lady. They meet the woman. So I, I think it would have been cool maybe if like, because we we learn about other stuff that I know you'll get into in a second. But mm-hmm. like, what if Kirk got taken to, to jail, right? He's not going to be going to like prison, but he goes to like, you know, county jail or something like that. And then Leon shows up to get him out. And she finds that the woman's also in there for doing something right protesting or you know she got herself into trouble and that's how she starts telling him this stuff in there to me that would be uh yeah way more believable right maybe she was taking pictures she shouldn't have but in that that bridge scene they confiscated her camera took her off to put her in a jail for a night or you know whatever something like that but the way that whole scene played out i was not a fan of yeah agreed agreed so they get to know the woman i think they go i think they go to a coffee shop or or somewhere and the woman starts explaining like who she is and all of her conspiracy uh theories and um essentially like hey there's aliens up there and um they're trying to like do bad things to us and it was funny like seeing kirk's and leon's kind of expression on on that and then kirk says something what does he say he's like yeah my wife was abducted Oh yeah, he calls yeah. Leon his wife, and then he's like, "Oh yeah, she was abducted." And Leon's like, "Uh, yeah, I yeah, I'm his wife." You know, yeah. like just completely caught off guard. And after that scene in the hotel where she was weirdly staring at him, you're like, "Oh, she's probably a little feels a little awkward because she's maybe starting to have feelings for him, and now he's mm-hmm. calling her his wife." And yeah, yeah, I was that part was kind of cute. That was yeah. kind of cute. So they do in one of the pictures that that lady has. She has a Romulan bird of prey. Um, and then it's kind of funny because Kirk and Leon are thinking, oh, she's actually, she's not really crazy. She's actually, you know, she actually knows the truth. Yeah. And this is a toss Romulan ship. The yeah. same kind of ship we would have seen in balance of terror. That's right. That's so classic. I thought that was awesome to have that classic bird of prey. Yeah. I mean, it didn't have the bird of prey, like you know, painted underneath the bottom side, like you've seen, but that, that image, that ship design is, is very, very iconic. Yeah. Yeah. So they end up finding Pelia again, because they, they realize they have to get someone with knowledge of engineering so they can figure out like what is going on and kind of circles back to the beginning of the episode where Pelia is saying, 
hey, I had I was part of the archaeology department, uh, something, <laughs> yeah. something like that. I used right? to work there. <laughs> I used to work there, and then Leon goes, oh, I know where there where there is an engineer, and so they find they go to Vermont, they find Halia, and we have kind of the. I guess they're kind of a typical exchanges with with Pelia now when when they meet her again, uh, which was which was cute. All of the scene was cute where Leon explains, "Hey, we know about you. We know your secret, and you know we need your help." And then when Leon says, "You know we need we need an engineer," and Pelia kind of looks looks at her and says, "Why do you think I'm an engineer?" So that was <laughs> that was great. And so we figure out at least I I I felt like oh she hasn't even embarked on her engineering training yet she hasn't done any of that so because she's got such a long lifespan so she doesn't need to right so yeah that was that was fun and we get to see um they find the diver's watch which has the is it tritium because they need to find the fusion device i think that's what what it was yeah 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 i think so yeah which is kind of a long um i think a long shot where they would be able to get this diver's watch uh, and use the tritium in the diver's watch to go find where this. You'd have to walk. Device. I feel like you'd have to walk really closely and have a really good idea to know where this cold fusion device is. Yeah. Right. If you're not close enough to it, I don't think it, I wouldn't think it would glow. So you'd be like literally walking around like an, almost like a needle in a haystack. I mean, it's not like Toronto's small. It's a big city. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a stretch. It would have been easy. A little, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, because they say, hey, this would be no problem if we had a tricorder. I think they said that earlier, <laughs> yeah. which they yeah. don't. So they're right. using a diver's watch as a tricorder, essentially. I, I hope I'm not the only one when uh, Palea opens up the door after they're you know knocking on it or whatever and waiting for Billy Crystal to come out and her to go, I'm not a witch, I'm your wife, you know, from uh, Princess Bride. Oh, I had it. Yeah, you are not, because I had that same sense, too, like the... Uh, the Princess Bride kind of sense right there yeah. when she opened the room. That door. Cool. Have fun storming the castle, boys. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, yeah, there's a part of me is like, where's Billy Crystal at? He needs, she needs to say she's not a witch, she's his wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we do have later after that, we have uh, Leon and Kirk walking around the streets of beautiful Toronto, and they have a romantic moment over there. What did you feel? yuck <laughs> <laughs> but here's why because yeah. she's my favorite character and she needs to stay away from kirk he gotcha. gets all the ladies and i don't want her heart to get broken so stay away from kirk it's not gonna end well i don't think it's gonna end well for a lady if you're gonna you know go after kirk so yeah you're I, right yeah yeah i was i wasn't a fan of that uh a little jealous, but anyways, uh, I think that <laughs> no, I, I in, in all honesty, in all honesty, I just, eh, I just kind of feel like it was so rushed, right? Like they meet on the bridge, right when she zaps into their timeline, into their their alternate universe. They talk. There's they they get zapped off to the past. They go get clothes, and she they look like he has to change because it's the same outfit. And then she kind of catches a glance and she gets kind of flustered. Mm -hmm. She's obviously, she's a, she's obviously attracted to him. I mean, Kirk is a handsome guy, right? Mm -hmm. 
So, and then it, just the way it plays out, and then she has this awkward moment in the hotel where she's kind of staring at him while he's sleeping. I don't know. To me, it just felt, and I just didn't feel really natural, like the natural course of things. It felt so rushed. I just, eh, I kind of feel like they could have, they could have done without it. Yeah, I gotcha. Honestly, I feel like they could have done without the whole, you know, romantic, romantic feelings of any kind between the two characters, and they still could have accomplished the same thing. Yeah, and maybe it didn't even need to be Kirk to go back. Yeah, well, that's you know? that's a whole other that's a whole other thing. Because I would have liked to have actually seen a different main character go back and be you know have a different. But I understand why there there's there's a fair amount tied in the because of Kirk being a captain. There's a lot more tied to uh, him being able to talk about the differences, right? Of like the way the world is and him being part of the United earth fleet. And so I get it from that perspective. Yeah. And then with how they tied it at the end, I, yeah. I, I get it, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Chris, they could have done without Kirk too. I think. Yeah. Yeah. They could have changed a lot in this. Kirk, episode. Kirk's had more screen time in season two than Pike has. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like mm. Kirk, I feel like Pike's been on screen for like 10 minutes total of the season. Yeah. You might be pretty close to Close to accurate on that. Yeah. Well, so the next part I is the part, this scene that really, it bothers me a lot. So when, when they do go into that building, the title of some of the rooms are like genetic lab, laboratory. There's a genetics room. And, and then um, Leon realizes, hey, she can actually access and get into these, these spaces. But then... They are held up by gunpoint by the same lady who we learn is not human, but Romulan. Yeah. She hold, held, holds them at gunpoint, threatens them, wants her to open the, the door. Um, Kirk, you know, is shows some courage and shows some bravery and then says some words. And then, and then she shoots him. Yeah. And he dies. And so I, so I was, my wife and I were watching it at this time and we kind of, we kind of look, we look at each other. Oh, your wife was watching this episode. Nice. Yeah. So, and she says, I said, that was pretty lame. And, you know, today, she, today she said that I need to say that she said it was dumb. Like that. that, <laughs> that part. She didn't like that part at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They've killed Kirk off twice in Star Trek now, right? This one and then uh, Star Generations. And both times Kirk died was stupid. Yeah, and it, I mean, some random pla yeah. random planet in Star Trek Generations of Viridian Three dies fighting against uh, Soren right on the and falls off the bridge, mm -hmm. and then this one he gets shot by a gun because he says, you know, try me or whatever, like am I bluffing? Try me, something like that. And over over talking about if you fire, it's gonna set off the building alarm. Like, yeah, that, uh, that to me was yeah, I, I'm there with you. It felt so meaningless. Yeah, like, like they built all this up between her and Kirk, and then just like that, you know yeah. what I mean? And I get it that, I get it that it's an alternate timeline version of Kirk, and I get it that um, if they're gonna try and restore the timeline of Leon that she's in, then something would have to be something would have to happen to him. Right? Either right. either he would be fade out of existence or 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 whatnot or or whatever. I mean. But I felt like that could have been handled differently or 
or just didn't need to be meaningless. And at least with generations, you know, we, he was at least with Picard try, actively fighting. And he was trying, you know, he's he was fighting on on yeah, yeah Picard, Picard and yeah. and Kirk, you know, tag team yeah. to try to defeat Soren. Yeah, so at least there was that. But here I felt like, okay, and that was it, you know, just shot and that was it. And then for me, it just didn't feel right for the episode yeah. at, at all. I felt like why even have him in in the episode? That's so, true. Yeah, You're not wrong. Yeah. yeah. Interesting, Chris. Um, when they they go inside uh, the, I think it's the second door. No, mm-hmm. it's the first door they go in, right? And uh, she gets them in, and they see on the wall Noonien Singh Institute for Cultural Advancement. Yeah. Uh, and so I think. You know, Leon determines that her lineage may help get them in, and of course it does. And this is where I think she makes that comment about, you know, something about a genetic marker, like, well, my genetic marker or something like that, will this work? And then it does or something. Uh, and then, yeah, once they get inside, you know, Kirk's killed as there's that assassin. And then she, Kirk dies, and then she grabs Leon and then puts, I think, forces her hand onto the scanner. They get inside the second door. She gets her down a hallway, and then um, Leon sees this door, this third door, right, that, that she wants her to open. And she notices that there's a name tag on it, and it looks like it's written by a child. Yeah. And it's written Khan. And um, I, as soon as I saw the, the, the Noonien Singh Institute for Cultural Advancement on the wall, I instantly thought, okay, where's Khan? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where are we going to see Khan or a reference to Khan? And this was interesting. Uh, she wanted to open the door. She, the Romulan assassin, wanted her to open the door because it was evident that they want. She wanted to kill Khan. And if yeah. we were assuming at the time that when I saw that, I was like, okay, so this is written weird. And then, and then as they're talking, I'm like, well, it looked like it was written like a kid. So are they saying that Khan's a kid? But it to me, it didn't make any sense because. There hasn't been anything that I'm aware of in the new Trek that would have changed Khan and his thugs from rising to power in the 90s. We're in 2024. Why would Khan be a kid? Khan rose to power in the 90s. He wouldn't be a kid in 2024. In fact, in 2024, I believe he would <clears throat> he would be on the Botany Bay off in space in the sleeper ship along with the people that tried to rise up. Right, they ended yeah. up defeating him. If you go back and read, yeah. you know, the history, uh, that would be the case. That's in the Star Trek encyclopedia, it was on Memory Alpha, I'm sure. Uh, and so I found that very interesting. And she begins to connect the dots that what's inside there might be her mass murdering ancestor, the one and only. And it, I found, I found the explanation as to why this Romulan assassin was doing it a bit underwhelming. Like, oh, uh, it's this computer simulation that cha- makes changes to the timeline, allows us to see different changes to the timelines, and we're trying to find a way to basically get rid of our biggest adversary, the Federation, right, and keep the Federation from becoming a thing, which, from a Romulan perspective, makes sense, right? But did you have the thought that I had where this felt a heck of a lot like year, lot like year of hell? 
where he's constantly changing the timeline, trying to figure out the best possible way to bring their. Ah, uh, yeah. I instantly yeah, thought that, that where the Romulans okay. have this computer where they're trying to make these, and it's telling us, telling them how to make these changes in order to make a, an end result happen. I instantly thought of your year of hell from Voyager. Yeah. With the Krenum Imperium. That's right. And if, if the Romulans now have this ability or technology in order to do that, what's to stop them from like Krenum, what's to stop them just from trying it all the time now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause that was just one agent. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a really good point actually. So yeah, they, they, using this computer simulation to change a timeline, and this this is kind of what popped out, I guess, in the computer. She references the temporal wars, yeah, which I thought was cool, and she did mention that this was all supposed to have happened, you know, nineteen nineties, ninety two. I think she said like this is all supposed to have already been kind of a thing. So that makes me wonder then, well, what changed for Khan to now be a kid in 2024, a young kid, versus rising to power in the 90s? That were, that's where I'm like, okay, something's missing here. I, I'm not – I'm missing something either from a previous episode of, of, of uh, you know, Strange New World or something else. I mean we know, right, that the new Trek is kind of its own timeline, right, from Legacy Trek or, you know, the original five series is, is – is. This to me, Chris, this scene here, to me, even though I know she's in she's in the past and everything, this to me is a a a piece of the answer to one of my expectations mm -hmm. for the season. And we talked about this, I think, when we did our episode one review. And if you haven't watched it or listened, go back and do that now, uh, after you're done with this. But I think I don't know if you remember that I we kind of talked about we reviewed the first episode. We said, okay, what are our expectations or what are we hoping for the rest of this season, right? And one of them for me was, I hope we start diving into Leon's past and her ties to Khan. Yes. And how this came about. This doesn't answer everything for me, but this is definitely a start. And she confronts her past. She confronts the idea of, of being tied to Khan, this, you know, and hit genocide and torture and how it fits into her. And I love that she says, you know, uh, you know, Khan Noonien Singh and I and uh, Khan, he was in genocide and torture, and it's it's her and she and she almost like she stands up and goes, "I am Leon Noonien Singh," mm -hmm. and all of this. I I I to me, this is a turning point. I think for her, overcoming the weight of her ancestry. You know, we all I'm sure have ancestors in our past that have done terrible things. It's just part of human nature. And if we knew about some of the things our ancestors did, we might feel the same way she does. And so I think there's, it's a, I think for me, it's easy to, it would be easy for many people to relate to Leon because she is kind of heartbroken and, and frustrated, mad that she is tied back to such a terrible person. I think um, a lot. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people can relate to that. And what you said is beautiful, Zach, because you you lay through this. Leon is recognizing that, hey, she's her own individual. Right? Yeah. So she is she is not defined by the actions of her the and that her, the actions that her ancestors have done in the past. 
Um, she can make her own decisions. She can craft her own fate, craft her own destiny of like who she wants to be like as, as a person. I think that is a excellent way to, to kind of look at the scenario and Leon kind of realizing I, I can be my own person and I, yeah. Can, yeah. You know, it's beautiful. Yeah, I agree. And so Interesting. They they pan to see. So she she kills the the Romulan assassin, yeah. right? She she beats her up and then gets the gun and shoots her, and she like disappears. I don't I don't know exactly what happened. Where she shot falls on the ground and then all of a sudden just turns into nothing, ashes. And oh yeah, I thought it was like it was some side of some sort of version of their own suicide cyanide pill. Oh, maybe that's what it was. And yeah, it was so yeah. fast I didn't catch it. I'd have to go back and like slow it down and frame by frame, whatever. But. So then Leon decides that she's going to enter the room and she's mm -hmm. looking around and this, this young boy is in there. Now I will say whoever that young boy was, they cast, I thought was really good because I looked at him and I was like, yeah, I could see, I could see a young, him being a young con. Like he had the look of a young con in tied to Ricardo Montalban. Oh, like okay. I thought, I thought if you go back and look physically, I could I could very much buy the fact that he was a young con. Okay. Um, he only had a couple lines. I realized that, but just physically, he had the look. Um, and so we also get an image. Uh, you know, she's sitting on the bed with him and wiping his tears, which is a very humbling moment. I think would be for her, right? Because she knows who this kid is supposed to become. And we see a picture on the wall, and it's him with a bunch of other kids, and I believe that would be him with the other you know, genetically modified mm -hmm. people that would rise up to eventually, you know, kill and create genocide and torture and do terrible, unspeakable things. And she knows this. And this line that she says really caught me where she, you know, he says, I, he says something and I don't know exactly what it is, but then she says, you know, this doesn't make any sense right now, but you are right. You are right where you need to be. And she knows what that means. Like she realizes that she's literally aiding Khan and creating a terrible future, near future, that will eventually lead back to her future, the future she knows she's a part of. She realizes what this kid's going to grow up to be. And the look on her face that just kind of, I don't even know how to describe it. That look she has in her face as she's walking out of the room knowing exactly what she's leaving behind. Like, the dilemma of if I were to kill this kid right now, I wouldn't exist. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would also stop mass genocide and everything else. But if I do kill him, then the future that I know doesn't exist and I may not exist either. So it's like, it's that, that back to the future dilemma, mm -hmm. right? Where when Marty messes up his parents meeting, he almost doesn't exist. He has to correct everything, get him to fall in love. This is kind of similar in that regard that she's at a fork in the road where she could save millions and millions of lives, but that would completely destroy the timeline that she's from. So I'm curious on your thoughts from this particular moment. That is a very, um, I mean, no individual has had to, I don't, has had to deal with that as a very heavy concept for anyone to deal with. Right. And so, and Leon's, Leon's character is some is someone that would kind of think in those terms like hey I am making like this decision um because 
preserving Khan's life at this moment is going to set in motion a series of events that will, you know, have the creation of of um, of humanity going to the stars and Federation and this utopia, <laughs> like like we said earlier. Um, but she realizes that you know through that action, like you said, through that decision, there is a tremendous amount of tragedy and millions of lives that are going to be lost through that decision. Yeah. So, I mean, we see her break down um, at the end of the episode just emotionally like torn up about it we see her talk to that other temp temporal agent later and say say what i can't even talk to anyone about this you know because yeah. you know then because she's will be carrying that kind of decision for ever like but but for her maybe at least a, a glimmer of hope for leon is she got to see the other side of it at least not see the other side but hear the other side of the potential timeline from from Kirk yeah. on hey you know the earth was essentially we destroyed the earth um there is no federation we're kind of a xenophobic culture and we're we're at, at war so at the very least we got to see uh, Leon hear that from from Kirk so maybe she can take comfort a little bit of comfort in that um but you could you could see that i i that kind of thing is what would, uh, you know, break people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you relate it to our time, yeah. right, in our reality, it's like you go back in time to a period, I don't know what year it would be, where Hitler's a kid in the same age as Khan, and you know exactly what he's going to turn into. And you have a chance to stop it, but you don't because – the the effect on the future is far worse killing him than it would be to let him live i mm -hmm. mean you it, it's those ramifications like you're in that situation like what would you do most people are going to say oh i'd kill him right you know you'd stop the genocide and everything that happened in world war ii wouldn't have been a thing and all this stuff you know but then but then what if you knew the other part of it where if you did do that then it causes x y and z to happen as a domino and then there's it's even worse you know what i mean like it's that yeah it's it, it, if you compare it to our time it's it's a massive dilemma i couldn't imagine chris being in her shoes right because not only is she is she a descendant of him but she knows exactly what's going to happen he's he's one of the biggest murder murdering genocidal people to ever live in the human you could argue in in star trek land you could argue that he is the worst mm -hmm. perhaps perhaps mm -hmm. worse than anybody who had lived before him mm -hmm. and his and his group of 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 augments right but man what did yeah oh it'd be a really really tough thing to have to walk around with yeah so I, I like actually keep you yeah. up at night every night kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of I. It's an interesting idea, and I hope they play. I hope they bring that idea, this concept back in future episodes. I think it's a it's a really great one to explore a little bit because, you know, with with that decision comes a whole lot of different consequences. Like yeah. After that. Right. So, yeah. um you could look at it from the perspective of in so in, in the star trek 
in the Star Trek world, in the Star Trek universe, they're saying, um, I think their point is, at some point, humanity has to experience uh, the lowest depths that it, 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 it can so that it can realize that it, so that it can face itself and face itself at the lowest and then and rise, rise from that, right? So yeah. um, the eugenics, maybe they're, they're saying eugenics war was that, in the Star Trek world, eugenics war was that point in time. Um, and in the alternate timeline of Kirk that we see, um, maybe they just they hadn't ever experienced that low point yet. It could be. I mean, you 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 they have the eugenics wars, and then you know a few decades later, well, I guess five decades later, six decades later, however, whatever mm -hmm. the math is, I'm not going to do public math here on on camera. <laughs> but, um, they they also have World War Three, and they have to rise yeah, out yeah. of those ashes. Like what what in first contact? What does Riker reference? Like six hundred million dead or something like that? Or I don't remember the numbers compared to what happens during the eugenics wars with 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 uh, Khan, but there's a couple of moments. But but even changing what happens with Khan could also have an effect on that, right? And then maybe <laughs> if they don't rise up from the eugenics wars, they'd never rise up from World War Three, right? Yeah. Uh, and so World War Three happens, and then it yeah. So there there there's a fallout effect, right? There's this ripple effect in time, and I think that's in Year of Hell, the Voyager two part that we love. Uh, yeah. You see that right the discussion about these ripple effects well we did this and that affected this 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 and this but we didn't see this happening now we have to go change this and then this is going to have this and it's just this like just endless number of things that could happen yeah yeah so i think it's a good point yeah absolutely um, so it's it's a very heavy moment i think um uh, and then and then uh that happens she walks away and she ends up returning to uh, enterprise uh again Yep, and she, I think she goes goes to the bridge in her street clothes, right? So in yeah, her cool yeah. street clothes, and she's uh, people turn to look at her and are asking her like what she's doing, and she's out of uniform, and she's like, oh, I'm just checking to make sure everything's all right, which is, which is great, and she returns to her quarters, and in her quarters, I think she's met by another temporal agent, right there, and the temporal agent kind of gives her, uh, explains to her what she has to do and she's got to keep everything a secret and the temporal agent has acknowledged that Leon has completed the mission um and so that that was great and is this the we see temporal agents here we see them i believe in ds9 too and maybe it's kind of a a, a circular thing there I, um i don't think we've seen them in many episodes no DS9 is the first time that the Department of Temporal Mechanics is referenced, right? Um, I believe the uh, first time it's referenced is after uh, Cisco and them get back from in Trials and Tribulations, right? Where Cisco mm -hmm. and them return from Kirk's time period. Uh, that's and and they want to figure out, make sure they didn't mess up and monkey anything. So it's a great DS9 reference. I love it, uh, but. I, but we know, yeah, we noticed, and I think you mentioned this, Chris, that they don't exist yet, right? In 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 this time period, they don't exist yet. So we know that they're a, a future thing that happens. Um, because when Kirk comes, when, when Kirk time travels, right? Whether it's City on the Edge of Forever or whether it's in uh, Star Trek IV, uh, there is no Department of Temporal Mechanics that comes knocking. Right. So 
but yeah, it is a DS9 reference. I'm, I'm almost positive the first time we ever hear of the Department of Temporal Mechanics is in DS9. You know, you know what I'm thinking is like, why are they waiting so long to create the Department of Temporal Mechanics? Because everyone's going back in time all the time. <laughs> Kirk goes back in time. Picard goes back in time. Janeway's gone back. All this time travel happened. Yeah. They need to form this department as soon as they can. You need to get yeah, well, the, back. the department wouldn't be able to have reached Janeway though, right? Because she's all the way out in <laughs> no man's land out there in the Delta Quadrant. But yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, uh, very good point. I, 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 I thought this line that Leon says to the temporal agent was really, really potent. Where she says something to the effect of like, "You sent me back to protect a mass murderer." I had to kill to protect him. And then the temporal agent snaps back and is like, well, those events were never supposed to happen. You're never supposed to be aware of them. So what were your thoughts when she said that, Chris, when, when Leon says like, you sent me back to protect a mass murderer and that she had to kill to protect him. But you can, you can, I yeah. think you can hear the heaviness in her voice. Yeah. Knowing what she had to do. It's like uh, where it's that idea where to do the ultimate, to do an ultimate good, you have to do um, these terrible things. Part of that is some of those terrible things may be, in Leanne's case, she was she was killing people, um, and that also takes away a part of her, right? But but that's to accomplish like an an ultimate good. Um, so that's kind of what I think about when that phrase and that line is is said is the sacrifice is you know sacrifice and sacrifice taking form in many different shapes like again leon's case it was killing these people um and that was kind of that that sacrifices a bit of a, her soul and her conscience right in in order to to save like all to save her current timeline um that concept is really big that concept is really heavy so those yeah those are those are what come to my mind huge moral dilemmas in this episode yeah huge moral dilemmas like really really big um and it weighs on leon i i think you know so the the episode ends right with with her sobbing on the bed which is something we yes. really haven't seen from her you know, she's a pretty, she's pretty stoic. Uh, she's pretty, you know, even keel in the sense like she doesn't, she doesn't really show emotion too much other than maybe some anger. Um, but I think it's the, the realization of what she's done and the idea that she calls up Kirk to see if he's alive, right? And she checks in on him. He doesn't know who she is. Yeah. Uh, and she doesn't, you know, he doesn't remember her or anything that happened or their kiss or their feelings or anything like that. So the feeling between that, I think, and what she did and what had to happen in order for the timeline to be restored, just wrecked her, just straight up wrecked her. Um, and so that wasn't, that was an emotional moment. Like I, I, I got, I got, you know, really sad to see her in that, in that state because she was put in an un, winnable situation mm -hmm. right you kill Khan, potentially wiping out your own existence 
but then you you then make your own timeline disappear potentially in favor of Kirk the, the other Kirk's timeline. Or you walk away. So the timeline restores, knowing full well by by walking away and leaving him there, you're going to basically be a part of hundreds of millions of people dying. It's a I mean, my goodness. Leon heavy, already heavy. yeah, it is heavy. Leon already feels um different and maybe isolated isn't the right word but she she definitely feels different from the rest of the crew you know much much more solitary and you're and you're right she's very stoic she's probably the type that uh has pride in like kind of her stoic personality and unflappable personality and and being able to perform under pressure and being being calm like that so um now having this knowledge that she has because she's she says to that temple agent you know again she says i can't even talk to anyone about this you know so that's going to yeah. make her you know it's going to make her feel like even more lonely even more separated even more distant from from the crew so it'll be interesting that to see how that kind of plays out through the rest of this season because that would not be something anyone would want to carry with them right so yeah and hopefully we get more resolution on that, right? Yeah. Hopefully we get uh, – see, that's why I said earlier where I said th this this answers some of it, some mm -hmm. of her, her history, right? It doesn't answer all of it. Like how? Like how is she a descendant? Like how did that – where did that come from? How did that happen, you know? Like how did, how did she become a descendant from Khan who him and his cronies were kicked off Earth and sent off in a sleeper ship? Uh, did he have – you know, relations with, with different women. And, and then they had, I, I don't know, but that's what I mean. Yeah. There's still, there's still a gap, a blank gap in there that hasn't been answered. And that's still what I'm waiting for. Uh, yeah. Cause I, it's not clear to me if she's his like great, great, great granddaughter. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. We, we, we I don't, don't know. know yeah. yeah. So I would assume yeah. again, another assumption I'm having is at mm -hmm. some point, either in this season or in a future season, they're going to get back to that. And we may not get it this season because there, there's probably so much they got to do. I mean, you think about it, the last two episodes, there's been a pretty good amount of Leon in those. And this one was, right. she was the centerpiece of this episode. Right. Which, right. which I, which I, I really appreciated quite a bit. So, um, okay. This, this, this was a heavy one. This, this, this ended heavy, I should say. Uh, we got a lot, but what are, what are some thoughts, Chris? Well, give, give me some of your overall thoughts in this episode as we wrap things up here. Well, while while we were talking about this episode, did you get the sense where it felt very much like Terminator? So, yeah, you know, yeah, I think about yeah, yeah, I mean, a little bit, yeah, yeah. So now Leon and Kirk, they're going back, and um, you know, they're 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 the protagonists, or the good guys, but then they got to find a place to change clothes, like just like in the first <laughs> first yeah. Terminator, um, and then you've got. Uh, the Romulan agents sent back, and the Romulan agents sent back to kill Khan, essentially kill John Connor. That's based on a computer simulation like Skynet. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think about all that, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, That's and I'm a just, good point. I'm thinking yeah. this is Terminator. Yeah, um, yeah. So <laughs> that that came to my mind as as we were talking about this, and I don't know if it was intentional or what, but I'm thinking this is really like like Terminator. Yeah. Um, I did like uh, some of the funny moments and levity about it um, in in there and learning about Kirk and some of the some of it was cute, like trying to go in through that revolving door and Kirk couldn't figure it out. <laughs> yeah, 
Like, I was born in space. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I like the levity. I appreciated that. I really feel like something could have been different with Kirk. I mean, if either have Kirk's ending have been different, completely different, and they still could have had the same, you know, uh, feeling at the end. Um, or just use someone else. Didn't have to be Kirk. Uh, yeah. You know, but I, I, I didn't like, I didn't like what happened with, with Kirk. So I'm going to, that was just my gut kind of reaction right now. Um, so I feel not so good <laughs> about uh, no bueno, <laughs> no bueno, no bueno about the, the episode. So un unfortunately, but mm -hmm. I did, I did enjoy, you know, Leon in it. So it's essentially a Terminator. It's an episode of Terminator or a remake of Terminator where Kirk dies. How about you, Zach? <laughs> Uh, well, really quickly, I got to address this. Yeah. When Kirk comes on that call with her at the end, he's lieutenant. Oh, yes. I thought he was a captain. I, maybe I'm missing something. I thought he was already a captain at this point. Um, I thought there was a moment in season one of Discovery where he is a captain. Or not Discovery, of uh, Strange New Worlds. Um, but but we talked about that 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 balance of terror uh homage right and quality of mercy and i think that those events are are a, a thing that could happen in the future right where in this case pike isn't replaced kirk I, I i'm confused maybe he is supposed to be a lieutenant at this time his brother i think is also a lieutenant sam um Interesting that his first, his actual first name is George. So George Samuel Kirk, right? George oh, Kirk, oh I thought was supposed goodness. to be the name of Kirk's dad. So I guess he got d Kirk's dad's name and Kirk got his dad's. So Sam got his dad's first name and he got his dad's middle name, Tiberius. Yeah. I'm guessing that's how they're, they're playing that off. But, um, so very confused by that. Uh, I, I, maybe I'm missing something, or I just forgot something, which is very possible. No, um, I had the immediate same reaction you did when um, when the comm came up and he said, "Hey, this is Lieutenant Kirk." I'm con I'm confused. I I know I'd have yeah. I have to go back. I know there was some whole bunch of alternate timeline stuff that happened, but um, but I think that's an issue, right? Where we can only we can't pay. We can't watch the episodes too many times over and over again. It, it does it does become an issue where we get confused. Um, yeah, no joke. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I mean, you know, it, so I, 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 you know, if if you guys know why that's the case, then please let us know because I would be curious. Um, yeah, another time travel alternate universe episode, which I know most truckies love. I know we're we're a fan of the time travel alternate universe episodes. I mean, we're doing a spotlight series on that, which we will come back to. Uh, but, but why 2024? Couldn't they have time travel back to the nineties and then kept the, hmm. you know, kept that, uh, as cons rise or maybe, maybe earlier than that. Like when cons a kid so it'd be maybe in the eighties or seventies, whenever it was, I know he's genetically engineered, but it kind of bugs me that cons a small child in 2024, like where, <clears throat> excuse me, where did that change happen where he's now a small child? Yeah. Um, 
I would have thought he'd have been on the sleeper ship by now. But again, maybe I'm getting my timeline messed up. The episode's all about Leon, so I love that. Yeah. Uh, we get to see more of her background as a descendant of Khan and meet a young Khan. Uh, I was a little bit torn on that at first, but I think I like it. We we do get Khan. He's just a, he's a kid, but, you know, I think it's probably easier to do it that way than try to cast an older person to replicate Ricardo Montalban. So I think it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. They but will yeah, never that... replicate Ricardo. Oh, Montalban, no. there, there's no chance. No yeah. chance. I know Benedict Cumberbatch tried to be Khan in the in the Darkness movie, and he was okay, but no, his no Ricardo Montalban. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I I didn't like the kiss between Leon and Kirk. <laughs> it just it just to me didn't feel like they had enough time to get to that point. Yeah. But then again, it's Kirk, right? Kirk is a ladies' man, and so he doesn't exactly need a lot of time, I guess. He's very um, charismatic. Yeah. I did love the funny connection with 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 uh, uh, Palea to the past and the Department of Archaeology, like handwritten on the door, and like she ran out of out of space, so she yeah. had to bring the word. That was just that was funny, and that's where I was like, okay, is Billy Crystal coming out? Like, where's the where's that whole thing? Um, but to me, overall, the Romulan assassin really wasn't scary. I I. I nothing against the actress who played her i just i kind of felt like if they're gonna make a character for that it should have been something where you know she really terrifies them i think to a point you're right about her she wasn't scary she was just better being the who we thought she was at the beginning before we thought before we realized she was a romulan assassin yeah exactly being a, a girl with conspiracy theories yeah so and to me, I, I don't mind if they if if things are are different here and there, and we we've seen that from the very beginning of Strange New Worlds. We know that this timeline, this, this new Trek timeline, is a little different. Things are are different, and I'm okay with that. But there were things about this episode that bugged me that made too big a changes. In particular, Khan not rising to power when he did that. Put that what that does is, is that now pushes everything. Mm-hmm which eventually is going to impact stuff in the future. Things are going to start happening much later than they should be. If Khan's not rising to power until like three decades later, does that, does world war three still start on time or does it start like there's, there's a trickle down effect, right? That eventually impacts the Trek that we love the most, which is the legacy star Trek stuff. So I, I didn't like the number of the, some of the changes, significant changes they made in, in, in the timeline in this episode. Yeah understand yeah, but, i completely understand so overall though i thought it was a fun even it, it was a fun episode it, for the most part uh with the time travel and the 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 funny quips and the, the some of the humor and stuff but uh yeah it looked a little bit to be desired i think um so we'll see we're about a third of the way through the season i know it's 10 episodes of season three so it's not quite the math doesn't quite add up but we're about a third of the way through so uh I, I don't know. I don't know for me if season two is quite hitting on all cylinders like I like I thought maybe it would. I don't know how you're feeling through three episodes. I'm not. We're not talking about like, giving any ratings or anything, but just maybe some real quick like feelings on the first third ish of the season. Yeah, I. Maybe it's different than what I. It's different than what I had in my mind, and of course that happens all all the time, but. Maybe I thought they would be uh, visiting new um, species or or new new planets, yeah. but but right now we've run into 
in the previous episodes, Klingons, um, and this this episode, you know, Romulans and and time travel again, um, and court, and court. <laughs> that's right. I I saw um so Amanda Rowe, I think's her name. She's the one that directed this episode, and directed the episode in in season one, uh, the Elysium episode, the one with the, like the crazy eight costumes and stuff. Yeah. And I thought she said something on the Seventh Rule podcast uh, recently with an interview about there was some changes to the schedule and that uh, I thought I you correct me if I'm wrong, somebody out there. I thought I heard her say that this was supposed to maybe be the season premiere episode. And oh, that okay. they had to move some things around for scheduling. And so this episode got pushed to this. I think that's what it was. But don't quote me on that. So because I, I, I was a little surprised because the season premiere episode we got the episode number one didn't feel like a season premiere. This, this to me would have felt like a season premiere episode. Yeah. It really. I think it really would have honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But episode one of this season felt more like something you'd kind of find in the middle of a season. It did. Yeah. I agree. So yeah, be curious to see where we go from here at this point. We'll enjoy the next one. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but with that, we always appreciate everybody watching and listening to us here on the Random Redshirt Podcast. Uh, if you haven't gotten a chance yet, and this is your first time, feel free to to, to click the our uh, our logo below if you're watching us on YouTube and go check out all the videos we have on there. Not all of our episodes are on YouTube, just the ones we've done on video so far. Uh, we did a lot of them on audio only in the beginning until we, we switched to doing uh, video. And so check those out as well on your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, and also be sure to go on Facebook and Instagram and check us out there. Follow us, like us, whatever the, the verbiage is on that particular <laughs> site. Uh, for all the latest uh, news and notes and uh, episode announcements and, and things. And uh, we look forward to uh, talking with you all again soon. Uh, next weekend when we do our episode four review of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. But if you are watching this first... Uh, and it's Saturday when this thing comes out. We can't wait for you to watch the episode with Nana Visitor. Uh, we sat down with her. That's coming out on Sunday, July 2nd, 2023. So be sure to mark that page and come back to it and watch it because it's, it's awesome. We had a blast, and you're going to absolutely love the time we had with her. Yep, absolutely. It was terrific. Yeah, it really was. So thank you so much, as always, for watching all over the globe and the interwebs. We really do appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time right here on the Random Retro Podcast.